The following program is underwritten by... Do you have a dog that pulls? The Halty product range by the Company of Animals has something to help stop your dog pulling. From the Halty harness to the Halty OptiFit head collar. Company of Animals. For all your pet's training and behavior needs at www.companyofanimals.us. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, here are the numbers, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani. And uh, you can also download the Animal Radio app and ask your questions directly from the app whenever you want. It's a free download. A big show this hour. No, not this hour. Next hour, we're going to hear from Bob Barker. He's he's going to be on for his either 14th or 15th time. 15, Hal. Yeah. I, I think you... No, it's 15. And how old are you? 29? Yes. Notches in the mic stand <laughs> we, we should have Come notches on. in the mic yeah, stand. Right? Yeah. Right? Right? Yep. He's going to be talking elephants again. I believe he needs to get some elephants out of uh, Washington, is it? Seattle. Seattle. Okay. So that's on the way. Joey, what are you working on? Well, we're going to talk about um, flea products, and I'm going to try to break down um, what could could be or may not be safe for your pet, depending on each pet. Okay. That's on the way with Joey Villani, the dog father. Our news director, or moose director, Tammy Trujillo, what are you working on? Well, you know, I'm sure being a TSA agent, by being one of those guys who goes through everybody's luggage, uh-huh. they see some surprising things. <laughs> I'm sure they do, right? But uh, some TSA agents at New York's LaGuardia Airport got a huge surprise. And you know what? I'm so proud of them because they did the right thing when they found this Surprise. Okay, I don't want to give it away, but I heard about this story, and I almost did this once myself. So you want to be listening Mm -hmm. to Tammy's story. (laughs) It happens. It does happen. And now I want to hear. Yeah. (laughs) Let's uh, go ahead and hit the phones. It's time for your calls right now. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Where are you calling from, Lee? I am calling from Torrance, California. Oh, okay. Well, what's going on today? Okay, so what I want to ask is I'm kind of active in my community, and I keep my yard clean, but my neighbors, they have the problem with fleas that is astronomical. In Mm -hmm. fact, one of the puppies died, and it had so many fleas on it. Mm -hmm. I had never experienced anything like that before. And um, what I'd like to know is how can I help them get rid of the fleas that are in their yard? We call the professional exterminator, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, it didn't work. It did not work. What can we do to get the bugs, the fleas out of the dirt? Okay, well, the thing is to remember is that as long as there's anything warm-blooded going by in the environment, you've got a food source for fleas. So it's it's a bit unrealistic to say we're going to get rid of all the fleas outside because you are in an area where fleas exist. They're, they're naturally out in the environment. Um, humidity, moisture, vibration, all those things help to stimulate the um, development um, of the different life cycles of the fleas. So for me, I would say that the focus is really to make sure that we're effectively treating the pets and that the indoor environment, what we can control. Now, uh, you know, a, uh, a professional exterminator can do um, some help outdoors, but we definitely need to make sure that the animals in the house are fully treated because they're the, mostly the food source. Okay. Um, now, um, what do you say about the fleas? Um, I have never experienced a flea like this that has a, a sticky type substance that's black and when you when I left 
to go help my neighbor. When I come back four hours later, there's this sticky substance on my Maltese's head in three different places. And she has scratched and itched that until it was slightly bloody. It was mm. red. Mm-hmm. And I'm go- I was going to take him to the vet anyway. But anyway, what I want to know, what, what is, kind of flea is that? What is that? And when I'm combing that flea, it will not come off with a flea comb. Ooh. I have to hmm. use a, a, a pair of tweezers to pull that Super actual flea, flea out. Mm. I mean, that sounds a little interesting. I don't know. I would probably want to get a look at it um, just so that we can see. Because mostly fleas have an appearance. They're kind of either reddish to brownish. Um, they actually kind of almost have a flat appearance to them. Right. Like um, the ones that are not pregnant do. And mm-hmm. then they're black. And then when they get that pregnant bulb on the back of them, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they definitely they get it, they, after they have brownish, their blood meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a brownish, tannish bulb on the back of them. Yeah, so I'm not really sure about the sticky part of things, other than just you know, as a, a flea is feeding, it does incite inflammation, and you know, if the dog is scratching and itching, there's going to be a response from that. Um, so you can get flea allergy dermatitis, which is you know the body's reaction in certain pets where they're just super allergic to even the bite of one single flea, and it'll drive them bonkers. So we can actually get um, you know some serum that can ooze from the skin if they're digging and scratching long enough. So I, I'm not sure. I'd probably you know I'd have to kind of see that doggy and to see what specifics um, is going on there. But most in, in most cases of uh, dog and cat fleas are actually caused by the cat flea. Um, so that's the majority of the population. I have a so, cat that um, I try to help by keeping a bowl in the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there well, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be definitely a um, you know a, a source um, for fleas. Any kind of not just cats, but even wildlife, raccoons, we, possums. We have, we have that problem. I'm confused. I question. You just said the cat flea. You mean there's different fleas? Yeah, technically there, there's what they call the cat flea and the dog flea. Wow. Um, yeah, but uh, 99.9% of the cases of fleas on either a dog or a cat are actually technically the cat flea. Is that a light brown flea that doesn't seem to have much of a shell? That's kind of like what I just described, the reddish to brownish um, color. But, you know, I I will say that there's, I think there's like almost 2,000 different flea species across the world. Wow. So just in our area, you know, the cat flea tends to be the number one culprit that we're talking about. But, yeah, so we touched upon, so if there's, you know, wildlife vectors or stray cats in the area, they're going to be running through. And they're, you know, that's what I'm saying. You can't treat the yard and think you're going to get control of things. We're going to need to make sure we treat the pet and, if possible, try to kind of maintain some of the, um, the wildlife population outside of the areas. Now, I'm assuming the lady has um, dogs or cats or both? Uh, she has three dogs, the one next door, and then the one across the street. She had uh, two dogs in the yard, but she had to take them dogs out the yard. Mm-hmm. She had gotten that Triforis, you know, the pill that you take. Mm-hmm. First, you yep. take the two series. What yep. do you think about that pill? You know, that can be very helpful, the, the trifexis, and it has, uh, it's a good product. It has both um, what kills uh, an adulticide, so it kills the adult fleas, and then it also has kind of a, uh, what we call a flea sterilizer, so it helps to kill those immature forms as mm. well. So that is a good thing, and with any product, um, we do need to use them consistently, and I don't really expect a quick uh, turnover in a household. So this can take months of really diligent, effective control. In many cases, we will actually combine different types of medications with veterinary okay. um, supervision. So that might be the other thing. So um, Trifexis is a, um, a topical. There are some oral medicines that can right, help to the, kill. the brown pill. 
Uh-huh, and probably the Capstar. Adams gave me. Yeah. So, and those are very effective for a very quick kill. And, you, you know, the adult fleas will just kind of go popping off the, the animal within about... the way that product works. It's almost, it is. Uh, it's kind of scary. Those fleas yeah. drop off overnight. Yeah, and yeah, they do. But you don't see the fleas on the animal for about exactly. you know, 30 it's... days. And I, that's okay. That's no, that's it's a great drug. it's a great product, but rec- recognize that that's only we're killing without medicine. We're only taking care of five percent of all the fleas that are potentially in the environment. So all those other forms are in the home environment. So they lay eggs that go on to becoming a pupa. Uh, I'm sorry, a larva and then a pupa. So there's different life stages, and that's why um, right, we that's may what need to. I was to, wondering about that too. Yeah. So, and if I'm having trouble with managing um, a household and we're feeling like we're doing everything we can possibly to control fleas, sometimes after a few months I'll switch products because there is some concern that we can have resistance um, yes. to products. So that's yes. one way that we can help to kind of combat uh, hard-to-kill flea populations. And right, because the advantage was working at first and then it's not working. Yeah, we had the same it's thing with the front fine. line. That's not working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I found yeah. that out too. Exactly, that you do have to change your product. Yeah, now, and then also the the other things in the house. So the things making sure that we are vacuuming, laundering the pet areas, the bedding, uh, carpets. Um, you can't. Yeah, I'm doing that. yeah, and you can use things if the, the exterminate. Yeah. So What's how that? often do you think that I have to uh, like move the furniture and really get that spring cleaning every three months? Well, technically, ev- vacuuming every 48 hours is most important. Well, yeah, for I, I know what mm-hmm. you mean about the vacuuming, but sometimes you have to do, like, more diligent vacuuming. I mean, just vacuum, you know, how you vacuum. Then you got to yeah. move the couch, move the bed. Oh, well, heck, man, you're going to come over to my house. <laughs> well, I am busy at my house. <laughs> You're, you're doing a deeper kind of level of cleaning than I'm probably going to do for fleas. But you know, the big thing I'm is talking about because you yeah. know, right there by the dresser edge, do I have to worry about that? You know, the little dust gets there. You try to vacuum that out. Where are they in my house? Where you know, are they? Most most of the cases, <laughs> fleas are hanging out, waiting for a food source to go by. So it's not in their best adva- It's not in their interest to go hiding out in corners. They're going to be out on the carpeted areas, places where the animals frequent. So that's why we really want to focus on laundering their bedding, vacuuming where the pets lie. Um, and we know that vacuuming, it can actually pick up and clean um, a lot of these larvae and um, eggs from the environment. 30% of the larvae in the carpet will get picked up with vacuuming. That means 70% is still going to be there, even if if you're a great vacuumer. Right, um, so. right. You know, and I also so. want to mention that as soon as you vacuum, you need to get that out of the house. Go dump it outside. Don't let it sit there inside. I do that. Mm-hmm. I do that. I just, let me ask you this. A cotton blanket that's quilted adverse to just a plain one-layer blanket. What's your idea on that? No difference. Yeah. No difference. You don't yeah. think so? Not at all. So it's not really, that's not what they live off of. They live off of the animals and the animal um, products. So um, they're just going to hang out wherever the, they sit. And um, once they feel the vibration of an animal going nearby, mm-hmm. that actually stimulates them to go into their next maturation phase. And then they're going to come out and they're going to be adult fleas. Right. So, um, yeah, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, bedding you have. or You know, some people may find that having a tile or a um, wood floor is easier to vacuum and to manage. Um. I did. I did. And did my floor. And I'm a renter. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Concrete. If you have concrete furniture and concrete, <laughs> that takes care of the uh, a lot of problems that you have with animals. It's, it, it's kind of challenging. So um, I sense your frustration. It is a tough thing. But you want to make sure you are treating for fleas effectively. And if you've had um, mange problems in the past, make sure you're tackling that as best as you can. And hopefully that will help with some of that itch. And hey, Lee, thank you so much for your call today. I've had so much fun talking with you. It. I did, too. I enjoyed it. And thank you for your time. Of course. You. Anytime you have a question, you feel free to call back. Toll free at one 405 Don't you know what this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by the fine folks over at World's Best Cat Litter? Ditch your giant boxes of cat litter and switch to the concentrated power of World's Best Cat Litter. Even a small bag lasts 30 days, and you can find it at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 If you have a dog that pulls, like I do, come here, Max, and let me put on the Halty Harness. The Halty Harness will help your dog stop pulling by providing front body control. Check out the Halty range by the Company of Animals. It includes the Halty Training Lead, Halty Head Collar, Halty Training Harness, and the OptiFit Head Collar, which comes with a DVD training guide. To find a Halty range retailer near you, visit www.companyofanimals.us. It will change your life. Good boy, Max. You know Canine Caviar for their great human-grade ingredients in your dog's food. We now continue that tradition in excellent pet nutrition with seven single-serving cat food trays. We love our cats and dogs, and that's why we're featuring all human-grade tuna, salmon, and chicken proteins with other hand-chosen ingredients to promote proper nutrition. They're in environmentally friendly, recyclable, BPA-free plastic trays. Look for Canine and Feline Caviar products at your local pet supply store or online. For more information, call 800 392 Hi, I'm Junior, Director of Marketing for Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for us dogs. I have the best job in the world, sniffing out hotels and destinations where they roll out the red carpet for canines and humans alike. To find out where I've been lately and to learn how you can travel like me, pick up a copy of Fido Friendly magazine at your local bookstore or subscribe online at FidoFriendly.com to find out what all the barking's about. At Stella & Chewy's, they're dedicated to the simple proposition that pets should be healthy and happy. Their commitment to quality starts with their ingredients. Every Stella & Chewy's product is made with raw, naturally raised meat, poultry, or fish sourced from USDA-inspected facilities without added hormones or antibiotics. Unlike commercial pet food, which is one of the most highly processed products on the planet with much of its nutritional value cooked away, Stella & Chewy's dog and cat food is nutritious and delicious. Learn more at StellaAndChewy's.com. Hey, this is Josh DeMel on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Yeah, turn this thing on. Yeah, push the button, Hal. It's Animal Radio. How long have you been doing this? Oh, not very long. Every day is like the first day. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five is the number to reach out to our dream team. It is toll free to talk to Doctor Debbie or to Dog Father Joey Volani. I believe there is a small toll to speak to Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. I believe she realized she could uh, start monetizing this and getting a revenue by actually answering Pretty some of the smart. calls. She is a smart dog. Smart, she is a very. Now, smart I thought dog. she was doing it for cookies. No, nope. is she. She. she 
She wants I, money? I think she wants cash. Oh, she wants to that buy was her, her pilot own. program, the cookies. Yeah. That was pilot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Now, now she's got it planned out. I think she realized with cash, there's more flexibility. Uh-huh. She could buy any treat she really wants. That's right. So mm-hmm. She must be Italian. <laughs> uh, we digress, and we digress very, very far. Do you have a dog that gets nervous at the dentist or the groomers or the vets? That's the, like the last dog you want to work on is a nervous dog. Actually, no, I don't, that doesn't bother me because I like to break that... Um, I like to break that cycle and let them know that, you know, they're going to have a good experience. And, and, and when you do and you got a dog that's done and it's wagging its tail and it's happy and it's kissing you, you know what? You feel like you've accomplished You've something. accomplished so something. I, yeah, it's, it's, I like that dog. But then you have some dogs, you can offer them steak dinner and um, it doesn't matter. It's, okay. It's still, they still don't want to be there. For the dogs that want the steak dinner or that are insistent upon being sort of aggressive or nervous at the dentist or the groomers, try out the company of animals, Baskerville Ultra muzzle this is something that we're just learning has a great application for like the vets or places where you're not sure how your dog's going to react because they might be a little scared to be at the vet or the groomer the baskerville ultra muzzle allows for both the owner and the dog to feel more secure and therefore more relaxed in nervous situations if you're relaxed your dog is going to be relaxed exactly and it's going to help you prevent any negative behavior such as you know biting which, you know, you kind of want to avoid if you can. Uh, you can find your nearest retailer today at www.companyofanimals.us. We're about to head to the phones. Jack Tyler is on the way. Jack is a cat or pet detective. And uh, apparently he thinks like a cat. And that means... Hmm. Does what he have meow? I don't know. We'll find out in just a few minutes what he's all about. Also, Bob Barker will be joining us. Tammy, you're working hard in the newsroom. What do you got on the docket? Well, you know, we talk about our animals as our children. And to a lot of us, they, they truly are like our kids. So it only makes sense for people involved in a domestic violence situation that they'd be worried about their pets. And there is a new law that's being bounced around that actually could help domestic violence victims make sure their pets are safe and thus give them a way to get out of the abusive situation. That's good to know because oftentimes they get forgotten in an abusive or domestic situation. Yeah, you hate to leave your pet behind, so a lot of women won't leave. Because the most of the domestic violence shelters don't have accommodations for animals. Mm. They can't take them in. So this this is fantastic, and I'm rooting for it. Okay, more on that in just a few minutes with Tammy Trujillo. Let's hit the phones. Hey, Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Where are you calling from? Hey, uh, well, I'm from South Dakota. South Dakota. What's going on? Well, we got our little girl, Joey. She's uh, She'll be seven years Joey? old in a couple of months. And uh, she's a long-haired gray domestic. And uh, lately she's been, you know, fur balls come up once in a while. But lately she's not chewing her food up. We've got her on the Purina Indoor Formula. She's an indoor cat. And... Uh, she always comes out of good health with all her checkups and everything, but she's not chewing it up. It's, it's shaped like little M&Ms, and, and they'll come out whole, you know. And mm, we're, okay. I'm, we're wondering what, what we can feed her or switch her to. Okay. That, and is she? you said she's been checked out by the veterinarian. Did, they, did she go to the vet recently? Uh, yeah, for her annual checkup. Okay. Because for me, when I hear the kitty is kind of, vomiting up the food um the first thing is she's eating it but she's just not really chewing it she's just swallowing it as it is right right 
Okay. Right. So now there are some different shape distinctions cats have, and uh, food manufacturers for dries, you know, they try to figure out the right shape that is most appealing. The truth is that some cats don't really chew all the shapes the same, and some will just really gulp it. And this is why some cats with no teeth can effectively eat dry food, um, because they don't always really spend a lot of time uh, masticating it, if you will. Um, sure. But if your kitty is vomiting, I'd say, you know, this diet may not be a bad diet, but it certainly would be something I would consider changing. The first thing I always start with with a kitty that's vomiting a food is, you know, it's reasonable to try a diet change, sometimes going towards more of a hypoallergenic variety um, rather than just saying I'm going to brand B, C, or D down, you know, the grocery aisle. So with that, you know, I would see your veterinarian, make sure we have a good checkup. We might want to get some basic tests done because in some cases vomiting is really more than just about diet problems. It can be about something else kind of going on inside. Um, so I wouldn't want to miss something of that magnitude and that importance. Um, so that would be my little commercial to, to, to see your vet and, and have more done than just that physical exam. Because as good as we are, we can't always tell everything by looking. Um, and so we do have to rely on those uh, clues, those tests, if you will. Um, but the the other part of your question is, what can you feed? You know, and there's an actually a whole new thought in cat nutrition that's really going out there. And this is totally different than what we learned you know, 10, 20 years ago in vet school. I'm not really that old. I'm just saying, people. (laughs) But um, the new mentality with cat nutrition is that we're actually looking at canned food as a good thing for a couple reasons. Um, We know that uh, it gives cats more opportunity to drink and take in more fluid. Um, And most times, you know, too many of the dry foods are really high in carbohydrates, and we really want a more protein-rich food with a lower carbohydrate content. And that sometimes the canned foods really fits that really well. And sometimes things like fiber really aren't going to be all that helpful, um, especially if we're having a constipation-type problem in some kitties. So while the hairball formula sounds like a great idea, I think I would probably consider even going to a canned variety, something that has lower fiber, higher in protein, lower in carbohydrates, and gives your kitty a more opportunity to drink and see how that goes. Um, I would definitely, if I had your baby here in front of me, I'd probably poke her with a needle, draw some blood, and maybe shoot an x-ray of her belly, making sure there's nothing really awry that shows up on there. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, my friend, and coming up next hour, TV legend Bob Barker is back for his 14th or 15th appearance, we don't know. Also in just a few minutes, Jack Tyler, and he is a cat investigator. I have no idea what that means, but we'll find out. And we're just about to do a quick check of the news. Tammy, what are you working on? We have got to say happy birthday to a very, very special cat who just had a birthday and turned, get this, in our years, 125 years old. Holy moly, i got to do the math there. No That's kidding. an old kitty, yes. <laughs> and she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. So we'll tell you all about the lovely Tiffany Chu. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies with thousands of quality products at low prices every day so you save on every order. Visit fosterandsmith.com. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Research has shown that battered women often stay in their abusive relationships longer because of their pets. According to the ASPCA, approximately 71% of pet-owning women entering domestic violence shelters report that their abuser threatened, harmed, or even killed the family pet. 
As many as 50% of domestic violence victims remain in abusive situations for fear of what will happen if they leave their animals behind. Now, there is a new bill, and if the pause bill passes, it would create federal grants to provide accommodations for pets belonging to domestic violence victims. Well, you kind of knew that hemp products for pets would hit the market eventually now that marijuana for recreational use has started being approved. Two companies in Washington state have raised the ire of the FDA. Canna Companion claimed its products inhibit cancer cell growth and reduce inflammation in animals. The company said it did not realize it was violating any rules and scaled back the claims and will now work with the FDA on more comprehensive clinical trials, although it stands by its all-natural hemp products. Canapet uses words like anti-cancer, anti-tumor in its advertising and has been given a warning as well by the FDA, which says that pot-related products for dogs are, quote, unapproved new animal drugs and marketing them violates the federal food drug and Cosmetic Act. Now, it recommends checking with a vet before giving any such products to pets rather than relying on marketing claims. Well, I have a cat that always tries to pack himself when I'm putting things in a suitcase for a trip. He's never succeeded, of course. But one little chihuahua not only managed to pack himself in a suitcase, but he got all the way to the airport. This little tan chi was found by TSA agents at New York's LaGuardia Airport. The hard-sided suitcase triggered an alarm, so the TSA agent opened it to check. TSA worked with the airline to find the dog's person who called her husband to come and get the little stowaway. She says the dog must have immediately gotten under some clothes she'd already packed so she didn't see him when she closed the suitcase. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster & Smith Pet Supplies. Visit FosterAndSmith.com for pet supplies selected by veterinarians with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Doctors Foster and Smith, your trusted source for quality, affordable pet supplies. Veterinarian owned with veterinary expertise behind every product. Doctors Foster and Smith has thousands of name brand pet products, including pet medications, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day, so you save on every order with free shipping on orders $49 or more. Fast service delivered right to your door. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. You know canine caviar for their great human-grade ingredients in your dog's food. We now continue that tradition and excellent pet nutrition with seven single-serving cat food trays. We love our cats and dogs, and that's why we're featuring all human-grade tuna, salmon, and chicken proteins with other hand-chosen ingredients to promote proper nutrition. They're in environmentally friendly, recyclable, BPA-free plastic trays. Look for canine and feline caviar products at your local pet supply store or online. For more information, call 800-392-7898. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It happened once again. I got stuck behind the computer, behind Facebook. Well, the Animal Radio Facebook page, looking at the videos over there, the slow loris. Didn't know what this little thing was until I saw it over at the Facebook page. <laughs> Aren't they cute? Have you seen this, Tim? Amazing. They have such oh, a- yes, I have. I adore them. I want one. Big eyes. Oh, I'm assuming they- they're probably illegal. Yeah, probably well, exotic. Yes. Mostly endangered. They're exotic. Are they? Yeah. It's but you, you said I could rescue one for my 50th birthday, didn't you? Well, you, you you can't just have one, Hal. It would be lonely. you got to have two. <laughs> two slow horses? Yes. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, we would never do that. Them. So if you're... No, uh, we don't encourage yeah, that. Yeah, we don't do that at all. No. But I'd rescue one mm-hmm. if, if one had to be rescued. One needed to be fostered yep. or something, we would take care of it. Anyway, if you want to see what a slow loris looks like, head on over to our Facebook page where you could also upload your wacky Wednesday pictures of your pet. 
uh, take some wacky pictures of your pet if you don't have any. Upload them. And the most likes and shares is by the end of Wednesday. This coming up Wednesday, we have an awesome prize. From Pet Acoustics. We pet have, Acoustics? Yes. We have a Pet Tunes mobile Bluetooth speaker. What? It's a speaker. It's a Bluetooth speaker. But get this. It's preloaded with music to soothe your cats, dogs, horses, birds, whatever. It has a special frequency modulated music. It's clinically tested to reduce stress and calm your pet. But you can also go ahead and pair it with any device. It has a a card that you slip in, a USB charger, and it's you can put it on repeat, but it's portable. So if you take your car, your uh, animal to the vet, you can put it in the car and take it anywhere with you, and it's ready to go to help calm your pet with preloaded music. Do we just have any for them. policies? This sounds I like something I would like. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, can we enter this? To- I don't. No. I don't think so. What are the rules? I don't think we're supposed <laughs> to. What's your alias name, Hal? Yeah. Gern Blanston? Yeah. That's but, you? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I didn't know that was you. Yeah, didn't you? Re- I was poking you all week last week. Anyway. I know. And I said, who is this guy? Anyway, oh gosh. we encourage you to go upload your pictures and share them uh, over at our Facebook page and pick up on this wonderful gift from Pet Acoustics this week. And uh, you'll definitely waste a few hours there at the Facebook page, so plan on it. Okay, we can go to the phones? Yes, we can. Let's do it. I believe we have, is it uh, John on the phone? Hi, John. It is. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm great. To my right is Dr. Debbie, and I understand you need to talk to her. I do. I'll push him I aside do. here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what can Jack I do for Russell. you? Okay, I have a little Jack Russell dog named Gracie, and she uh, has a, I think I've been told it's a reverse sneeze, and this happens sometimes when she's sleeping at night or okay. or during the day. It's almost like she's hyperventilating, but someone told me that was a reverse sneeze. And I okay. was curious if that's true and what can be done about that, if anything. Okay. Is she in overall good health? Does she have any kind of current problems, any infections, respiratory problems? No, uh, she she does not that I'm aware of. We have, you know, take her to the vet for her annual and, and any time we think we have a problem. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and she did this year, the first time, she had a reaction to her raping shot and oh, okay. uh, su- su- surprised us. So we took her to the vet and got home, and then her eyes swelled almost shut, and then her lip turned inside out, and we had to get her there to get a shot real quick to counteract that. That was a, kind of a shock to us, but overall, oh, no. she's like she went boxing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and, and she... she it sounds like a person almost with sinus issues with drainage. Sometimes yeah, she yeah. You can detect a little wheeze, and mm-hmm. I didn't know if there's medication that could take care of that or anything to spray down the nose or anything. Yeah, um, good question. And reverse sneezing is very common, and it's it, it is kind of a horrible sounding thing. It kind of looks like they're going through a asthmatic attack. The interesting thing is that sometimes there's not really an apparent cause for reverse sneezing. And in other cases, we can kind of link it to things like allergies, um, nasal infections. Sometimes if a pet has a bad tooth, it'll cause um, a, a, a frequency of reverse sneezing. Uh, we could even see other things like mites in the nasal passages. So there's some really weird things. And in, in colder climates that maybe they're still having some cold weather, some dogs will have reverse sneezing when they're outside in the cold weather. So there's a lot of different triggers. And the important thing is I'd say that we want to make sure there's not anything apparent medically that can be causing that. 
if we've checked that out and we don't find any cause for reverse sneezing, I'm not a huge fan on medicating unless it's a real problem and it's something that's kind of affecting the quality of the pet's life. Um, now, granted, the midnight uh, reverse sneezing things could be kind of upsetting for both pet and uh, the person sleeping next to them. Um, other than being a bit disruptive and uh, it looks horrible, but it's not really a painful thing. So if we're only seeing reverse sneezing infrequently, I'm really not going to medicate. For those pets that maybe have it and we're suspicious of allergies or something else sinus-related, I will try antihistamines. Um, there's oodles of antihistamines we use for dogs, anything from Benadryl to hydroxyzine uh, to even some of the human ones that might be more of a prescription grade. Um, but you want to work with your veterinarian on that and see if that's something we really need to consider or not. Um, for those pets that it's just that once in the blue moon thing, I just kind of calmly talk to them, stroke their throat, and just kind of reassure them that everything's okay. Because I think if we act freaked out, it's going to freak them out all the more. Um, and just know that it's generally not anything too serious for you. Okay, well, that's what we, that's what we do is, is uh, stroke the, the throat and do, like you say, talk to her. And, mm-hmm. and she'll okay. start sneezing. So that's the reason I really think there's some sinus drains there or some kind of sure. allergy drainage. Sure, yeah. Stuff. And so I would so definitely see about getting her to your vet and, and whether we try a course of antibiotics. And a lot of cases I'll treat for these little nice little nasal mites, which sound horrible. Um, but I'll put a pet through a treatment for that just in the case that if it helps, it helps. If it doesn't, um, then we kind of rule that off of our list. So, yeah, I, I, get, I get little Gracie taken care of and, and see if we can try a couple remedies if that will make it less frequent. If we can't, then um, I'm going to feel pretty pretty comfortable that she's going to be okay. Just maybe a bit sniffly and sneezy like the rest of us around here. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Ada, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. How can we help you today? Well, my uh, grandchildren have a beautiful golden retriever, and he has a penchant for eating their, you know, those little short socks the kids wear with sneakers and stuff. Mm, okay. And so much so to the point that uh, my daughter had to take him to the vet a few weeks back because she noticed he wasn't feeling up to par and something wasn't right. And uh, they had to take x-rays, cost her a small fortune, because they couldn't see completely. There was something like a shadow. And I guess they gave him some kind of stuff that you have to have, you know, to make things pass, like when you have a colonoscopy. Some barium, uh, yeah. yeah. And then the next day they said uh, it looked like it had moved. But the following week, she said he ate three more. And then uh, oh, no. passed at least one or two out in the yard. This is almost like a weekly occurrence. Okay. And, and he's beautiful, and he gets fed. She uses good, not cheap dog food. You know what I mean? And they mm-hmm. walk him and everything, but I don't. What makes him do that? You know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make a little light of it because it's a retriever thing. <laughs> um, retrievers, the number one breed, whether they be golden retrievers or Labrador retrievers, um, if I have to do a surgery to remove something out of a dog's stomach or intestine, it's usually a retriever. Um, whether it comes from their retrieving background or just that they have just a impish quality about them, um, they are just very prone to this. And but it's um, scary, you know. It's- but well, even like the same paper napkins the same way. If there's a napkin on the table, when they're clearing, if they don't get that, God, he's there and he gets it. Down it goes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's right after he's eaten. It's not 
question of, you know, that he, he's not well fed or anything. Yeah, well, and it really becomes something of um, a fun game for these dogs. And, you know, they obviously, if they understood that, you know, it was going to be a detriment to their health, we would think that maybe they wouldn't do it. But unfortunately, the root of this problem here is the fact of access to some of these items. Um, the number one thing that can be done to prevent this is to put clothing away put it in hampers or put it out of the reach of the animals because that is the one thing if we can prevent him from getting into these socks that is what we're doing as a responsible pet owner now there are going to still be some of those issues and if he's trying to grab things off of tables um, we need to go back to the square one with obedience on this fella and we need to teach him that it's not appropriate to be in the kitchen um, while we're eating or um, we need to sit and stay until we're called to enter the room and I'm a tough mom so in my house I don't allow my dogs to sit by the table if I'm eating and I think we need to go back to teaching some some basic manners around at least the food and the table there Animal Radio's Hero People is underwritten by Zuterin, a non-surgical alternative to dog castration. One injection provides a safe, permanent, and virtually painless alternative to surgical castration. Learn more at www.zuterin.com. That's Z-E-U-T-E-R-I-N.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Animal Radio. We're celebrating our connection with our pets toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to Dr. Debbie, your dog father, Joey Volani. And don't forget, you can ask your questions right from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. Thanks to those folks over at Doctors Foster and Smith. Jack Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. You're a pet detective or a cat detective, and you help people find their animals. What are the first things that we need to do if we lose our cat? Yes, uh, I'd like to uh, make a point though, uh, real quick. Actually, I'm a cat naturalist. Okay, what is that? What is the a, difference? I'm, yeah, uh, yeah, you have to take a, uh, you have to approach a lost cat as a naturalist. Um, there's a big difference between a lost dog and a lost cat. Um, they, uh, you're really in an ecosystem. Uh, we have, we live in a, there's an ecosystem around us, you know, in suburbia. And uh, just excuse me one second. And, um, you know, uh, cats, they revert back, generally speaking, to their natural instinct. And so I have to actually go out there, and it's a fluid situation, and you're dealing with cats as they interact with all sorts of other different uh, animals in the ecosystem, and uh, you kind of shadow them. And it's it's not the sort of thing that Ace Ventura would do, for example. (laughs) So... It's, it's actually it's actually kind of complex to explain, but what happens is that cats, indoor cats, people assume that because uh, uh, a, uh, um, uh, an outdoor cat or an ecosystem cat uh, is exposed to so many things, there's a laundry list of things that can happen to them. They assume that because they have their indoor cat inside, that you, that they're safer. But there's actually a, another laundry list. There's a laundry list of things that can happen to cause your indoor cat to get outside. And when that happens, they enter something what I call, and this is for indoor-only cats, and uh, they enter something what I call uh, the chain of doom. 
Okay, so what is the chain of doom? Walk us through the chain of doom real fast. Basically, what happens is, is it starts at the latency period, and that's when you grab your cat real quick. So hopefully you get them really quick right then. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're going to go into hiding, and they'll hide for exactly eight days. You can set your watch by it. It's like Hanukkah. <laughs> well, maybe that's where it came from. I don't know. Kataka. But, uh, <laughs> but but it's exactly eight days, and after that, they're going to come out very hungry, having lost a lot of weight. Also, like the Jews in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are the cats are really losing a lot of weight here, and they're uh, uh, they're um, they're uh, going to be searching for food, and this is going to be happening in the night, late at night when it's dead quiet. They're going to be dodging cats. And uh, they like possums. They instinctively know to follow possum trails. And so they can get some food. But the, 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 the basic idea behind the chain of doom is that they, there's a race taking place. They have to, the, and, and for an indoor-only cat, we're talking about a cat that's always been indoors. So, uh, you know, a cat that knows nothing about the ecosystem. So well, they don't have street a, smarts. Right, exactly. But it's, it's more like ecosystem smarts because they stay on private property. You know, they'll cross the streets and everything, but everything that's happening is happening on private property. And there's all kinds of wild things happening back there. We're with Jack Tyler. He's a cat naturalist. He looks for cats basically by understanding the environment and the atmosphere that they're in. We, uh, we're running short on time, so we need to get to what if we lose our cats, what, uh, what should we do if our cat goes missing? What are the first steps? First thing, the first thing you have to do is categorize what kind of lost cat case you have. I have uh, uh, reduced that down to six categories, and that's based upon the health and history of the cat. And uh, I have a video out on that. The cat locator video is at my website, jacktyler.name, and uh, that's that's you watch that video, and that guides you through it, and you'll know what kind of case you have. Then you click the appropriate link, and those uh, categories that can be an ecosystem cat, that can be uh, actually there's there's two. Uh, the, if you're doing a full-grown or able-bodied cat. That, that would be an ecosystem cat. That would be a an indoor-only cat. That would be a spooker cat. And that's an interesting sort of case, a very, very common sort of case. And and beyond that, there's kittens and there's medical cases. So you have to get the – got to know what kind of case you're dealing with straight up. If you don't, you'll be doing all the wrong things. Okay, my cat's been in the house. It lives indoors as an indoor cat. Got spooked, ran out when uh, some repairmen were here. Do I put up a sign first? Uh, do I look no. for the cat? How far do I look, look for the cat? Here's the rule. Here's the rule for an indoor-only cat. Your cat is hiding within about a three-house radius underneath of something for eight days. That rule right there. If everyone just knew that rule, because these indoor cats get out all the time, if you just know that rule, you stand a better than an even chance of getting your cat back. Right so, there. so they're search. pretty nearby, so you think? They are within a three-house radius. So you search... And you search, and you search the places you've already searched. So should you, you go? So if you wait eight days, days, the cat is going to come back, right? When I'm searching, eight days, the cat will come out. But do you say? Oh, do you say the cat will come out? Yes, the cat will come out, but not necessarily back. The cat will be coming out in the middle of the night. The cat thinks that the world has changed. The cat's mental state is 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 not quite like the cat that you knew. The world has changed, and 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 you're out there. You're calling for your cat, and everything. Your cat is here, and you call for them. Your cat, once they enter this. They think that, that you're out there with them and that the world has you know, changed for you, too. That's the problem. So you need to find your cat. If you find your cat and you get right up to them, 
you can convince them to come out, and then you can take them back in. And, and, and you stand a very good chance, a better-than-even chance, if you know that rule. They are hiding within roughly a three-house radius underneath of something for eight days. So I should go searching for them at night? You, you should search for them day and night, day and night. Okay. And at night, there's other things you can do, too. You can listen for them, because sometimes when they feel real safe, when it's, when it's really quiet, they'll send out a signal for you. And if that happens... Don't call back because you'll be telling them that you know where they are and everything's all right. You want to sit there and, and go up on them and get as close as you can. Before we let you go, you have a pretty high success rate, don't you? Oh, well, an indoor-only cat, it'd be impossible for one of those guys to escape me. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, thank you so much for spending time. Wish we had more time today. And, of course, we'll put links to Jack's site and all of the information about Jack over at AnimalRadio.com. Very interesting story there about how he goes around. I think he thinks like a cat. I think that uh, thinking like a cat is how you find a cat. Yeah. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Another big show today. Our good friend Bob Barker will be back for his 14th time on Animal Radio. 15, I counted. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I counted. This is number 15. Somehow I missed uh, four. I must have been I must have been sick for number thirteen or fourteen. Then. Yes. Uh, well, okay. Well, he's back on the show today, and he's talking elephants. Just a couple of minutes. If you're brand new to Animal Radio, here's the number. You ought to write this down. Put it on your refrigerator. You may not need it today, but there may be some time you want to call it, and it's open all week long. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Now it doesn't spell anything. It's just one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. And on the other end of that phone, Doctor Debbie's answering your vet medical questions, and Joey Villani with your grooming questions. And in fact, what are you working on for today's show, Joey? Well, we're going to talk about some flea protection and um, how to find out and know what's the safe, for, what's safe for your pet and what's not, and how to test for it. Now, do you put spot ons on your animals? I don't think you do. Do you? Um, no, I'm not. I'm not a. Um, I'm not a. I'm not a fan, and it's not because it don't work. I'm just. I'm just sure. don't like the idea. No. I don't like the idea of, of putting something on my pet that that repels and kills fleas and ticks, and it's safe for my pet. Even though they say it's very safe, it's a mental thing with me. No. So- he's- what do you use for flea control? Well, I'm a groomer, so um, I just I I, I I like flea shampoos and um, just get them off the pet and then and then treat the environment. I remember what you said is that uh, fleas don't like a clean pet, so I try to keep ladybug clean. They don't. They really don't. They don't like a clean environment. Then, listen, it's evolution. I mean, they know what's good for them, what's not good for them, and they know a clean environment usually means death um, at some point. So, mm, okay. Well, I personally. And I know Dr. Debbie, she's cringing. She knows I'm going to say this. But I don't put the spot-ons until it is absolutely (laughs) necessary. Hey, Jane. Hello. How are you doing? Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Reading, Pennsylvania. Oh, listening on WEEU. Yes, I am. I love that station. Those guys. I know. They're great. They are. We love them. They are. They're locally owned and operated, too. Yes, they are. I have a 10-year-old greyhound. Uh Uh-huh. And she's unlike any other greyhound that I have in that she's very picky as far as what she wants to eat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could probably fill her bowl like forever and to the top and she'll only eat a certain amount. When I am away for a while and she has to board somewhere, she 
can be very fussy and sometimes won't eat. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can never really keep weight on her. So I have the whole opposite problem of people who need to take weight off their dogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can never really keep weight on her. Yep, so, you, have, uh, you have Jack No matter Spratt. what I feed her. <laughs> and she'll, okay. be, she'll be even picky as far as with treats and things like that, too. So you know, if she wants to eat them, she will. If she doesn't, she won't. Now, have you had her for, for all of the 10 years, or did you just get her? Uh, I actually older? got her when she was just about two years old, which was pretty young. They usually come off the track around five years old if mm-hmm. they've raced at all. Okay. She did not race. She never made it to even attempt to do that. So. Okay. And has she eaten, have you fed her dry food all that time, or canned um, food, or people food? food? Would... Sometimes I'll mix in some some other things. I'll even sprinkle some cheese, some shredded cheese, which she loves. She does like that, but, you know, she'll pick through certain things and then only eat in a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Well, a picky eater can definitely be very frustrating. And, and normally, the, the callers I get about picky eaters, they're usually small breeds of dogs, toy breeds that just kind of turn up their nose at things. So it's, it's a little bit different having, you know, a large breed dog with us. But greyhounds are kind of like cats. I gotta say, they're just kind of they are different. They are yeah. Yeah, they're very different. They're not your normal dog. So um, a, a lot of, uh, I guess, feeding strategies that we would have um, is sometimes the, the desire to dress the food up is very real. Um, and, and I can't see your dog, so I can't say how thin or not thin she is. Um, but for me... Well, um, you know, you can see, you know, you can see her, her ribs. She's not, you know, right now she's not totally underweight, but she was when I came back from vacation. She had lost quite a few pounds. Mm-hmm. And a lot of ribs were showing, you know, but, um, and that's why I didn't know if, if maybe adding well, a bit let more. Me tell I don't want to, the- you know, of course she's getting to be almost a senior dog too. Exactly. So whether there's issues that way too. Well, and, and that was going to be the first thing is that greyhounds, the, the number one thing I think of with greyhounds when we get to that age is rotten teeth. Um, they are just not a breed that has really good periodontal health. Right. So for me, I would want to make sure that you've had her teeth cleaned, that we're in good health because um, they are some of the most rotten mouths that we encounter in veterinary practice. Greyhounds just from two, three, four years of age, they've already got um, really severe periodontal disease and are right. losing teeth. Yeah, so so that's definitely something that I would want to make sure. And if, if your vet hasn't done some current lab work on her, make sure by all means that you do that because there definitely can be things under the surface, kidney disease, well, liver issues, stuff like that. Because I was going to have her teeth done, and she did have some issues with her blood work, mm-hmm. and then she didn't have her teeth done, although I was able to scrape some stuff off of her teeth, so they're mm-hmm. not super bad. Okay, you know, well... Nothing th- that's, that's, like, really... All right. Well, you know, if they found something, if they found something on her lab work that was abnormal, that's as a veterinarian, the first thing that I got to go back to is if there's a health disorder that we need to address in some way, um, that kind of changes the recommendations entirely. So a 10 year old dog that's not eating that has something abnormal in blood work, we have to address that. Um, because dogs with kidney disease very commonly will lose their appetite from something called uremic gastritis. So no matter what we throw at them, 
And what we put in that bowl, they may not eat really well. So that can be something that um, trying to overcome that can be very difficult. So we'll probably need a little more info on the background of the lab work. But what I will tell you is that what we often will do, what we will often do if we have a picky eater is I like something called hot dog soup. And I use this a lot for dogs that are picky eaters. And you basically take hot dogs, you boil it, and you use the water. Um, you don't have to always dress a dog's food with other food items. So sometimes just the moisture and the kind of the essence of the hot dog, how wonderful it is, you can add it to the dog's food, and it kind of makes it a little bit more appetizing. And for a dog that may have some dental issues, it softens the food. So that also makes it more appetizing. Um, but if we just have a picky eater who is just picky because of behavioral issues and not a health issue, I want to make sure we have good structure. So you got to make sure that you put the food down at set times and that it comes up at set times. Um, that is very important for a dog that is a picky eater. We want them to know when the food is going to be provided and when it's going to go away. Um, the other things that we'll do, and a 10-year-old dog may not be the best candidate for this, but we, we find different types of ways to incorporate food. Um, so we might have the little food dispensing toys that they can kind of shake around or chew on or play with that will drop um, little kibbles out. And that gives it makes it fun, makes it more interactive. Because um, some dogs are, are like cats. They just don't like to go up to the bowl and eat. They want to kind of use it like prey. So that makes it more fun. And if your pet is one that we can exercise, it is a known fact that dogs that exercise more eat more. So if I have a little dog that doesn't like to eat a little little poodle or a teacup chihuahua, I'll tell the people, get your dog on a leash, take it for a walk, get it out, get it swimming, get it doing something, because when they come back to that bowl, they're going to have an appetite. So that's another thing you can definitely think about trying to add in there. Jane, I hope that helps you there. Thank you for your call today, 1-866-405-8405. That is toll free to the Dream Team. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 Animal Radio is underwritten by Natural Balance Pet Foods, the finest food and treats you can buy for your pet. No matter which formula of Natural Balance Pet Food or solution-oriented treat you choose, it will truly be the food for a lifetime and a treat to treat them right. Visit naturalbalanceinc.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Jimmy Van Patten, and I'm here to talk to you about our solution-oriented treats for cats and dogs. Natural Balance Pet Foods offers several nutritious treat formulas with tasty solutions for pets. Our treats feature unique ingredients like venison, duck, and salmon, accented with cranberries and pumpkin, and offer grain-free options. At Natural Balance, our philosophy is to provide pets and their owners the food for a lifetime. Natural Balance treats truly treat them right. For more information, visit naturalbalanceinc.com. Animal Radio's Hero People is underwritten by Zuterin, the only FDA-approved, non-surgical method for sterilization of male dogs. Zuterin offers an alternative to neutering male dogs, thus helping reduce the pet overpopulation problem. One injection provides a safe, permanent, and virtually painless alternative to surgical castration. Zuterin, a permanent and cost-effective alternative to neutering male dogs. Learn more at www.zuterin.com. That's Z-E-U-T-E-R-I-N. Like the taste of fresh apples? Try an Angry Orchard hard cider. At Angry Orchard, we believe in tradition. That's why we use apples from a 100-year-old orchard. It takes two apples to make each bottle of Angry Orchard. So raise a glass to a time when apples were best served in a pint glass. Angry Orchard, when you're looking for something a little different. 
crisp, refreshing, and not too sweet, just like me. Angry Orchard Hot Cider. Branch out. Angry Orchard Cider Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. Drink responsibly. Geico Motorcycle presents Reflections from the Road. The day I knew I was a real biker was when I switched to Geico Motorcycle Insurance. Because real bikers, well, they know where the savings are. And you know what else makes you a real biker? A sweet tattoo. Check mine out. Just got it yesterday. It says Heel on Wheels. Wait. Heel on Wheels? Oh, man. Well, at least I got the saving money with Geico part, right? Geico Motorcycle Insurance. See how much you could save. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Hey, hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. If you're new to Animal Radio, to my right, Dr. Debbie, to my left, Joey Volani. Answering your questions toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. If you have a Yorkshire Terrier or a Shih Tzu, a Pug or a Mini Schnauzer, please check out Dr. Debbie's great books, e-Kindle books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And we have links over at AnimalRadio.com. I believe we have Dennis on the phone. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Where are you calling from? Well, I'm, I live in Omaha, Nebraska, but I'm out here in Wyoming today. So You're a driver? Yes. Okay. You are on with Dr. Debbie. Okay. Well, hi, Dennis. Hi. What can I do for you today? Well, I've got a, a little girl pit bull that's six years old, and uh, all of a sudden she's getting uh, gray. I mean, the, 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 it starts out with just the hair, like a, a little spot will turn gray, and then pretty soon her face is almost all gray. It started out above her eyebrows and on uh, her nose, I think, and then... Now she's got some white spots uh, on her left hind leg, and I'm sure by the time I get back home that uh, her left leg will probably be all white. And I was just wondering what, what and she's always had a beautiful coat, and I don't know, kind of worried about what's going on. Yeah, and, and what's your dog's name? Alice. Alice, that's my grandmother's name. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> For Alice, is there anything else going on with her skin besides the color change? Is there any kind of hair loss, sores? No, she does get uh, staph infections on her chin, which okay. uh, we give her antibiotics for that. You know, it, and it does happen pretty often too. Okay. Um, Has she had any infections in those areas that have turned white? No. No. Okay. Uh, we take her. Our vet said that he he thought it was just premature aging, but I I think the uh, life expectancy of a pit bull is probably around twelve years or so. Yeah, um, the larger breeds we know definitely um, don't always live as long as those tiny little uh, Chihuahuas and then Yorkies. But I'd say you know eight to twelve years would certainly be realistic. Um, premature aging do- or premature uh, graying does happen in dogs. And uh, my own Labrador, his uh, chin uh, got a nice snowy white, and that happened when he was just about two years of age. Um, whereas my other dog, uh, she's yet to really get much grayer, and she's at seven or eight years. So there is some genetic uh, 
susceptibility to graying, and there are actually um, genetic um, specialists that look at that, and that's one of the traits they look at in some breeds is premature graying. Um, it's a little bit unusual that it's kind of all over her body, though. Yeah, this is really weird. She had, like, white eyebrows, you know. Uh, it just turned white above her eyes, and, and it is uh-huh. So she's getting kind of old man changes there with white eyebrows and a white chin and all the different areas. Yeah, yeah I'm 63 years old. I said, well, I've got white hair, so she wants white hair, too. So. <laughs> yeah, and we do know that pets and people kind of resemble each other. At least we kind of tend to be attracted to animals that uh, resemble us. Um, yes. I guess I would I would still be a little concerned that perhaps Alice might be having some skin problems going on. Um, and uh, you said she was on antibiotics. Is she on other therapies and other medications right now? No. Well, she uh, estrogen. Uh, she uh, was you know spotting wherever she was laying at times. So the vet okay. every once in a while we have to give her estrogen. And, and actually, the estrogen product, or um, what we call DES, that actually tends to cause darkening in the skin. So hair follicles are kind of interesting because we, we have to, you can see some problems where if there's a, an injury to the area, um, if there's an inflammation or infection, something that changes the local environment of the hair follicle, we can actually see that it can kind of, uh, in a sense, almost damage the hair follicle, and it'll grow in, in a different color. So that can happen over the course of a pet's life if there's a, you know, an infection, some kind of injury. And uh, one of the great examples of this in a different species is actually in cats. A lot of Siamese cats, when they actually come in for surgery, we shave them, and their hair will grow back a darker color. And it's just because of a kind of a, an injury, in a, in a, not in a true sense of the word, but it's a change that happens to the hair follicle, and it'll come back a different color. So that, that may be playing some role there with Alice. But if your veterinarian's kind of giving her a clean look over, there's no signs of uh, skin infections and allergies, um, anything open sores in those areas, then I would just attribute that to maybe some changes that are coming on with her uh, her, her older age and just accept that she'll be a, a spotty white gal. <laughs> yeah. now, now the vet did suggest that if we wanted to uh, take her to a, an animal dermatologist and do some uh, uh, pretty extensive testing to see if there is anything else wrong with her, I mean, that's always a, a nice idea to get that reassurance, and, and there's so many specialists, and dermatologists are just one of them that we rely on in the veterinary world now. So I think that's definitely a good idea, but there's even things that your own veterinarian can do um, without getting into a lot of testing, and, and sometimes we'll even just do a skin biopsy, where we just do a little local anesthetic and take a biopsy of some of the skin that's affected where the hair change is present and um, send that in for testing and sometimes it'll come back completely normal <laughs> which would be good um, but yeah. other times it might give us a clue of where to go um, doesn't always give us a hundred percent answer but it, it might be a good place to start we might do yeah, that we- I- I'm not sure. It's a good idea. And if you do have a dermatologist in the area that works on dogs and cats, you know, I'd say that is, that's always a good resource as well. And, you know, you can look into that as well. Okay. Thank you so much for calling. We appreciate that. Um, and we'll uh, take any other callers at uh, 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Sherry, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? Very good. What's going on? Good. Well, first of all, I'm a Jersey girl, born and bred. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> That's good. Um, Whereabouts? Uh, Red Bank. Okay. I know it well. Beautiful, beautiful little town. Yep, yep. I was a little one. I don't remember much of it, but I sure I sure like going back there. 
Well, let's see. I've got a little Yorkshire Terrier. Um, she weighs about five pounds, and um, she's about a year and a half old. She always has really runny eyes, and um, I try to bathe her regularly, but I'm not sure if all of the shampoo for dogs is good for her. Or, well, not good for her eyes, but is maybe not irritant to her, to her eyes. Is there a specific kind I should buy for that breed? You know, I don't know what what you're using, but um, I'll tell you what what what's out there for the face, and it works. It works wonderful. You're gonna laugh because I laughed when it first came out, and I said no way. But it's facial scrub, okay? And there's a couple of companies that put it out. Um, there's one by a company called Tropiclean that um that that I particularly like, and it's real real gentle around the eyes, but it cleans real well. So also it helps um you know start removing the tear stain. Uh, um, if, if the dog has any tear stain built up, but it's really gentle around the eyes and it gets the face nice and clean. I kind of like that a lot better than I like to use um, shampoo on the face um, because it works better. But for whatever reason, if you can't find that, if you're having a problem with tearing, what you want to do is take a, um, a drop of, of mineral oil and put it in, in, in your dog's, in one drop in each eye. It's not going to hurt your dog. When you look at your dog's eye, it's almost going to look like it's um, transparent. That's just that's just a reflection of the oil, so don't worry. And what that's going to do is, is repel anything that, that, that tries to go into the eyes. It's going to push it away a little bit. The only problem is if you put too much, you're going to grease the face up a little bit. And the other thing is, and this is real important, is don't contaminate it. And what I mean by that is if you if you're putting it in a, in a in a small bottle with a dropper and that dropper touches your dog's eye, make sure that you clean it real well and let it dry before you reuse it. You don't want to take that dropper that just touched the pet's eye or another pet and then put it back in that oil because it will contaminate it. Okay, so it's something that you only want the dropper itself to touch and that's it nice and clean. But that should solve your problem. Okay. How do you spell that product, the facial clean, the facial scrub? How do you spell that? Tropiclean. Um, how I'm in T R O. Yeah, T R O P I C L E A N. Can I use that on her whole body, or should I just use that on her face and use something else on her body? You can use it on her whole body, but you'll only be wasting it. It's it's really designed just for the face. Okay. I would use I would use that on the face, and then just use your favorite um use your favorite shampoo on the body, and I'm okay. I'm sure you'll notice a major difference. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for your call, thank Sherry. You. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by those fine folks over at Stella and Chewy's. Not only are they wonderful for underwriting Animal Radio, but they make an amazing food. And you can test out all the flavors with their intro packs. Chewy's Chicken, Simply Venison, Super Beef, Duck Duck Goose, and Phenomenal Pheasant. These little uh, packages, which are, how big are they? I think they're six ounces. Eight and a half ounces. Oh, they're eight and a half ounces. Each stand-up pouch is eight and a half ounces and includes six small patties. So try it out, and you'll find out why it's Ladybug, the studio stunt dog's favorite food. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. <laughs> This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio, urging you to spay or neuter your pet. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster & Smith Pet Supplies with thousands of quality products at low prices every day so you save on every order. Visit fosterandsmith.com. I'm Tammy Trujillo. The lawsuit filed last month in California federal court against Purina continues to get reaction from pet owners. 
Frank Lucido filed the lawsuit after he says one of his dogs died and two others became severely ill after eating the food Benefil. His lawyer says now that more than 3,000 pet guardians have weighed in on how their dogs have had similar reactions. The suit cites several potential toxins in Benefil, one of them being propylene glycol, which is used in automotive antifreeze. Now, Purina counters that the substance is an FDA-approved food additive for humans and dogs and chemically different from ethylene glycol, an active ingredient in antifreeze, which is toxic. Farina noted in their statement that aside from dog food, propylene glycol is used in cake mixes, salad dressings, soft drinks, popcorn, and other foods. The FDA lists propylene glycol as a safe substance for use in both human and dog food. It is, though, prohibited for use in cat food because it is shown to cause abnormalities in their red blood cells. John F. Kennedy Airport in New York City is going to be the first airport with a terminal devoted solely to animal passengers. It will be called, I love this, the ARC, and it will open early next year. It's privately owned, and it will serve as a cargo holding area for all sorts of animals, everything from house pets to exotics and to farm animals. And they'll have amenities there that the animals need and deserve while they wait for their flights, including overnight accommodations. There'll be veterinarians and aviary and climate-controlled stalls for the larger animals. It's costing, get this, $48 billion to build. And we have got to say happy birthday, belatedly, to Tiffany, too. On March 13th, This cat turned 27 years old, and it makes her the world's oldest living cat, as verified by Guinness World Records. That's equal to 125 in human years. Her guardian is Sharon Voorhees of San Diego, and she threw her a nice little birthday party, complete with cupcakes with little fish decorations on top, goldfish crackers, liver mousse, and there was champagne for the human guests. Tiffany, too, basically spends her days sleeping in the middle of the staircase. She's an orange and black tortie who weighs six pounds and is in pretty good health. She and Sharon actually take their blood pressure medications together every day. She said that their devotion to each other, that's the secret to Tiffany Two's longevity. So happy belated birthday to Tiffany Two. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies. Visit FosterAndSmith.com for pet supplies selected by veterinarians with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Doctors Foster and Smith, your trusted source for quality, affordable pet supplies. Veterinarian owned with veterinary expertise behind every product. Doctors Foster and Smith has thousands of name brand pet products, including pet medications, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day, so you save on every order with free shipping on orders $49 or more. Fast service delivered right to your door. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. When the leading antihistamine and Nasacort go nose-to-nose, Nasacort wins, stopping more of the chemical responses that can cause your nasal allergy symptoms. And when you stop more causes, you get 24-hour relief from sneezing, an itchy runny nose, even congestion. It's prescription-strength medicine available over-the-counter. Nasacort Allergy 24-Hour stops more of what makes you miserable. Use as directed. This is Animal Radio, baby. And yeah, I think we have some calls waiting here. Do we have, this is Ashley on the line. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. What's going on with you today? Well, I have a couple, actually I have three questions now because I'm over here visiting with my girlfriend, so I have a question <laughs> regarding her now. But my question was twofold. When I have an English bulldog, a male, he's seven years old, his name is Spike, and um, he's 
stinks. <laughs> oh, no. And right after, and he sheds horribly. So I didn't know if there was a supplement or what you could recommend that I do for him to help with that. Because grooming and brushing, we brush and brush and brush. And we even have a curry comb, like, for horses, and nothing stops the shedding. And mm-hmm. the stink yeah. is just, I have no idea why he stinks so bad. He's groomed about every three weeks, once a month at the most, and okay. nothing helps. You know, is it the smell coming from his skin, or is it coming from, like, his butt or his mouth? Can you tell? It's like his whole body. Okay. His breath isn't really bad. I mean, it's dog breath occasionally, but and it's not his real. It's not his bud. It's just like this odor that just comes from him. Okay. Now, English bulldogs are just one of the veterinarians' favorite when it comes to medical problems oh, because I know. they get so much. You've you've been there then, and they are a, a big breed when it comes to some of the skin disorders because they've got all those little folds in their face. They tend to get right. a lot of moist dermatitis and and a lot of yeast infections that kind of build up in those folds, as well as inside the feet. Um, they're prone to allergies. They get a lot of staph infections. Um, um, ear infections, and the list goes on and on. So my first thing is when I hear about a kind of a, an odor coming from the skin or the body of a, a, a bulldog, I'd really go looking for an infection because those areas are so commonly affected, and, and a lot of bulldog owners really do battle this kind of continually with regular medicated baths, shampoos, and just being very vigilant about all these little sites where they get these infections. Now, you, you and, also and we have. About, He's been checked out, and there's nothing physically wrong with him no allergies no infections nothing and i started i heard on the radio about dinovite oh yeah yeah we hear about that one (laughs) and i didn't know if that works like they say it does or if it's a waste of time well, you know, here's here's my take on this. If we have eliminated that there's no signs of skin infection, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say, all right, your your vets check that out, and hopefully they've done some impression smears. They've looked at the skin and they've actually looked under the microscope and not just looked visibly, because for me the proof is in the pudding, and I gotta see it to believe it. Um, but as far as with um, dealing with this skin condition, shedding and odor, yeah, there are a lot of nutritional supplements out there, and I don't think they're gonna hurt. I don't have a problem trying them, but I think that there are definitely a lot of underlying factors we need to look at. And as a veterinarian, it's very hard for us to kind of conceptualize and and just want to go with one type of a supplement. Now, I do like putting any dog with skin issues on fatty acids. Okay. And there are even some other um, vitamin-responsive problems that a general skin supplement might help. We have zinc-related problems in dogs. We have vitamin A-related problems in dogs. So supplementing can help those conditions. Um, but I'd, I'd definitely say that, you know, I really want to find out more about why, why that odor is coming off of his skin. Um, okay. And uh, the other thing we can even look at would be things like hypoallergenic diets, which are very valuable, especially in these breeds that are prone to scratching, itching, and frequent allergies. So that would be something that I would certainly consider. And now, do you um, have a brand that's a hypoallergenic food? You know, it's there's a lot out there, and I try to tailor it to the individual pet. So there's not just one I'll recommend. Um, there's different styles. We'll go with uh, what they call a novel protein diet, which is kind of restricted to something like a, maybe a fish potato-based diet. 
Um, there's other types of hypoallergenic diets that are actually hydrolyzed protein diets. And Science Diet has one. Purina makes one. And you'd probably need to work with your veterinarian to find one that, that might be most appropriate for your baby spike and uh, see if those work. Now, as far as for the skin supplements, I would definitely see about getting him on a fatty acid. And there is even a fatty acid you can use that's got zinc in it. It's called EFA-Z. And that's one that, if we're suspicious of some of these hypo or the um, vitamin-related problems, it might be one to try for him. And you did mention as far as the concerns with the, the hair loss. And, uh, you know, that unfortunately there's no magic cure for that. And that really is a matter of, you know, keeping up with brushing, um, grooming for a short hair dog like that. Then some of the grooming mitts are very helpful. Um, and then just making sure the coat is in good condition that we're not over drying and bathing too much because that can actually have the opposite effect of creating more skin problems. So right. I say, uh, you got a couple things you can try there. Okay. Uh, my next question was a behavior question. Um, we have a cat now that we kind of rescued, and I didn't know what the best approach was to getting them to be friends. <laughs> he okay. doesn't chase. He doesn't pounce or anything. He's very open to, you know, checking him out and being friends, but the cat isn't. He'll The cat will tolerate him from a distance, but he still runs and hides if Spike tries to get close to Mr. Darcy. So I didn't know if mm-hmm. there was a, a novel approach to that. <laughs> well, I mean, some of the biggest things, the, the number one thing that I always want to do when we're introducing a dog and a cat is I don't want the dog to get into the chase mode. That's your number one problem that will cause a continual pattern where the cat will want to run, the dog will chase, and it really is kind of that dog and cat chasing game that just goes on and on. So that is hard to break if that happens. So if you can keep him when the um, visiting and the interaction is um, supervised, and I keep Spike on a leash, um, practice obedience commands throughout the time he's exposed to the kitty. And if your kitty wants to run away, sometimes we can try things like putting them in a, a, a cat carrier or a cage where he may not be at eye level, maybe a little higher up where he might feel safer and away from the dog. And then you can kind of do a little bit of practice interaction and praise Spike and give him treats, make him sit, lie down, do all of these obedience commands while the kitty is in the near vicinity and and hopefully not paying too much attention to the cat because then that'll help uh, kind of make it like a nonchalant thing. Like it's no big deal, the cat's around. So uh, I'd see how that goes for you and uh, maybe you'll have a peaceful cat and dog home. So uh, here they come. Wait, stand back. Make room. By the way, Bob Barker is just around the corner right here on Animal Radio. Very excited about that. He's right behind the violinist. Somewhere behind there. He's actually a tall guy. Anyway, how are you doing, Joey? I'm doing great. Um, You know what? The summer's right around the corner. I can't wait. I can't wait. So I got a good question um, from someone. A woman wants to know, she's read so many different articles on flea products and what's safe and what's not safe and, um, you know, has heard all the horror stories and um, I'm going to break it down for you. So the rule of thumb is this, the safest thing that you can get on the market is flea shampoo. And the reason why that is is because we rinse it away. But the problem with, with a flea shampoo is, is once you rinse it away, it doesn't leave any protection. So the only thing it's going to do, it's going to kill whatever on your pet 
and not leave any protection behind. Mm. One thing you do have to remember is anytime you deflee your pet, you've got to make sure that everything else is also taken care of, which will be your house, your car, the bedding, wherever your pet basically goes. And sometimes that's the whole household where the best thing to do is get an exterminator, and also they could take care of your yard. But if you're a person that likes to hike and likes to walk through the woods and take your dog... Then what you're going to have to look at, you're going to have to look at one of the topical or the pills that are that are on the market. Um, the important thing is anything that has a kill claim on it has to go through the EPA. So they have to make sure that the product is somewhat safe. Sure. But if you want to test your pet, just do a test area in between the thigh, an area where there well, is much wait, hair, te- much What are we coat. testing for? You're testing um, to see if your pet's going to have a reaction. Okay. So what you'll do is is just apply a little bit. Just break it open. Don't pour it out. Put a little bit on the end of a Q-tip. Put it on the inside thigh of your pet and see if there's any sort of irritation, redness, or anything that occurs that's not normal. With a shampoo, this is easy because if your pet has a reaction, I'm going to rinse it off right away. And if your pet doesn't have a reaction, chances are that you probably won't have to worry about it. But when you apply these products, pay attention. If your pet starts to act differently, weird, drools, just out of the ordinary, rinse it off with soap immediately and call your veterinarian. We just got one of these Epilady flea, flea, flea zapper combs. Yeah. They uh, sent it to us to review, which, have you seen this yet, Joey? Here. Check this I out. heard about them. I haven't I haven't seen them yet. Um, basically, it's, it's, it's like a bug zapper, but it's a comb. I'm a little frightened, actually. It's supposed to just kind of stun the flea. I'll, I'll test it on you. Yeah. Well, let's check it I out. I like the concept of it. Yeah. I, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Gray, the Marshall Tucker Band, and forever you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A popular street performer known as the Dog Cat Mouse Guy is happy to learn that charges against him have been dropped. Greg Pike was arrested by the Bisbee, Arizona police for loitering to beg and doing business without a license. He says he's a performance artist and his art consists of stacking his pets on top of each other. First, there's Booger the dog, Kitty the cat, and Mousy the mouse. Pike does accept donations and that's where the police saw the problem. Friends raised $910 for his bail and accompanied him to the hearing where the attorneys agreed to drop the charges. I'd say the dog-cat-mouse guy definitely has an act that he has to stack in the right order. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. I said enough. Hey, gang, this is the Money Man, Eddie Money. Make sure you spay to your pets and keep the dial right here to Animal Radio. It's the greatest station in the world. It's Animal Radio, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Dogfather Joey Villani. And we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds here, but we welcome back Mr. Bob Barker. Bob, how are you doing? 
I'm fine, thank you. How are you? This is, well, I thought this was number 14, but... I say it's 15. Judy says this is number 15. I think she has a counting problem. <laughs> but uh, we in the news last week, Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circuses are retiring their elephants in 2018. And That's this, right. This is something that we've been talking about for a long time. I'm not quite sure why it takes so long to retire yeah. them. That's but, what I, I was going to say. It's exactly that. If they're going to retire them, why wait to 2018? What do you think made them finally budge there? Because i got to tell you, you think circus, you think elephant. Well, of course you do. But the people who go to circuses, the, the, uh, this uh, Felds is his name, I believe, who uh, is the high monkey monk over there. Yep. Uh, Kevin Feld. Yep. Yeah, Feld. Feld. Kenneth Feld. Uh, he... He would, he'd like to have everybody believe that the animal rights activists had nothing to do with it. He said it's just that the uh, attitude of our audiences is changing. Hmm. Well, who does he think changed that attitude? <laughs> the animal rights activists. That's who changed it. And uh, it, they're changing it all over the country. Right here in uh, Los Angeles, we tried to do the same thing, of course. But uh, here in Los Angeles... Uh, uh, we got the bullhook banned. They can't use bullhooks in Los Angeles, and it's uh, pretty tough to control elephants without them. And uh, there are other cities more advanced than Los Angeles have have anti-circus uh, laws now and anti-elephant uh, ordinances. And the the, uh, the, the uh, uh, circus just had to. I think they pretty much had to do this. Yeah. For those, where would these elephants? That concerns me is that uh, this uh, Fells says that temporarily they want to place them in a place they call a ranch like ranch like atmosphere in Florida, and he says temporarily that uh, the center will be open only to researchers and scientists and uh, uh, people like that, but eventually. They want to admit the public. Well, when they start admitting the public, they're going to charge uh, entrance. You know that. And when they do that, they're going to have to have some entertainment, and they'll have these elephants performing again. And, of course, to learn to perform is one of the most tragic things that they have to go through. They're terribly mistreated in this training. And, in other words, it would be a kind of a stationary circus. But at least they won't have to travel. And that has just been terrible. Yeah, Joey. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You had a, did you have a question for Bob about the elephants? N no, Bob actually answered the question. I wanted to know when these elephants actually left them the, the traveling circus, where they would go. But he he answered the question. Yeah, I, that's where they're supposed to go to a ranch-like atmosphere. Oh, it sounds like a great and, place. Uh, we can only hope it's uh, ranch life. I hope when I retire, it's ranch-like. That's for sure. <laughs> So, how's your life going? How's the uh, how are the bunnies at home, Mr. Bunny? Well, unfortunately, Mr. Rabbit finally was taken by the good Lord, oh. and uh, he had a wonderful life. You know, he lived uh, almost fifteen years. Wow! And the average life for a rabbit is about four to six years, but Mr. Rabbit had the entire run of the second floor of yep. my house. Yep. <laughs> And he tore up and down the hallway. He followed me right, uh, like a little dog. And uh, he got lots of pets and carefully fed. And, uh, oh, he had a fine life. And 
he made life so much better for me. It's amazing how much I miss him. I uh, wonder what you're going to do with the second floor of of your house now. Well, the second floor. You need some more animals, don't you? No, well, I, I haven't got one yet. I, I don't. I'm, I probably won't get another rabbit. They, they are just great little friends, but they, they're very delicate little guys, and you have to be so careful with them to keep them healthy. Well, weren't they uh, chewing on all of your cables? Maybe I'll and- get an elephant. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I should put in my bid for the elephants from Seattle. There you go. There you go. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. We yes, always have fun. It was a fun. pleasure. I'm always happy to talk with you. And uh, give me a call anytime you, you want me to rave and rant. Take care. Bye. There he goes, Mr. Bob Barker. I love that guy. He is. He's a fun guy. I miss him on the prices, right? Yeah. Oh, it's not the same. I can't watch it anymore. Well, is Drew still doing that, or is Drew? I think Drew's even moved on. I don't know. I don't watch it anymore. Yes, it's somebody else now. Correct. Really? Well, once again, it has just flown by. I want to thank Bob Barker and Jack Tyler for joining us today. And be sure to check out Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They're available over at Kindle. And, of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. This is Animal Radio Network.